You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Beckham sets up on the outside. It's Darkwell again. Stutter step. Darkwell busting to the outside for the touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello, Senor Grump. We have, uh, we're down to four days left before the draft, and um, I'm starting to get pretty excited about it. I am very excited that we're going to have to talk about mindless mock drafts, which we've been you know, cluttering Twitter feeds for the last two weeks, so I'm glad we're actually going to get somewhere and see some actual draft picks this week. So I'm very happy about that. It's always interesting in the days leading up to the draft and the the day of the draft itself. um, There's a real mix between what you are hearing. You're either hearing absolute truth or complete bullshit. And I remember last year at like 9 a.m. I was at work on the toilet and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, reading stuff that Cleveland was definitely taking Baker Mayfield first. And I really, truly didn't know if that was absolute smoke or the truth, and it turned out to be the truth. Well, I think what it is with me, and I was on a, a similar toilet at the time reading a similar article. <laughs> That's what Grump and the Cranky Fan do at around 9.30 each morning at the office. Similar, but separate. Ex- yeah, we're we're not that close. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I kind of look at things like that as what is the source? What is the team that's bringing out that information? I, the teams are traditionally are stupid. <laughs> I tend to believe that it's the real deal. You know, do, am I going to believe that Bill Belichick is saying, you know, articles are coming out from the Patriots that are going to do something? Absolutely not. Am I going to see clown shows like Cleveland has been, you know, the Bucks have been. Yeah, that that have some validity, possibly. So, yeah, and, um, and as we we approach, we're starting to hear more and more the the Josh Rosen rumors. Kind of, they hit a peak a couple of weeks ago. Then they sort of died off. We heard some teams were out of the mix. Some teams were more in charge than they were before. They're starting to heat up again. Starting about yesterday and uh, S- Sunday, I should say. Um, and it's appearing more and more that there's only like two or three teams in the mix. The Giants remain one of them. Uh, that's certainly something that we're going to have to keep an eye on for, you know, the first two days of the draft. And then if Arizona ends up keeping Rosen and drafts Kyler Murray, something that we'll have to keep an eye on throughout the season, really. But let's let's uh, let's address one thing real quick. And I've seen it as a recurring theme on Twitter now for about a month. It's not a question of the Giants just need to make the deal and probably a third-round pick will make it done. Trades are a negotiation between two parties. It's not a question of, well, it's up to for the Giants to decide they want to do it and Josh Rosen is theirs. Arizona holds all the cards right now. It's their decision if they want to make a trade or not. They're going to set the market for what they want to get for it. So – I'm tired of seeing these people on Twitter saying these things like, why don't we just get it done already? I don't understand what we're waiting for. It's a great deal for us. Every fan out there is – every time you hear a trade proposal in whatever sport it is, you hear the most ridiculous things you know, in the favor of the fan. 
So it's not a question of why aren't we making the deal? It's, you know, has Josh Rosen officially been made available? I mean, it seems logically based on, you know, the love that uh, Kingsbury's giving for uh, name, please. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. But that doesn't mean that they're open for business yet or they're just waiting for the Giants to make an offer because it's your team. So everybody just needs to chill about that. Well, I mean, there's also the fact that there, there's no time limit. What incentive does Arizona have to trade right away for the first offer or even the second or third? I mean, sure. they have all the time in the world to wait for that offer to get better and better and better. The only time you jump on an offer is when it's outrageous, like when Dallas gives up first-round pick for Amari Cooper. You jump on that. You know, well, here's the thing, too, is maybe – the whole thing about Kyler Murray is a big smokescreen that maybe they want to trade down out of the number one pick. Or I mean, take know Nick Bosa. Yeah, we know there are teams that are desperate for a quarterback. And we know some of those desperate teams usually make poor trades. <coughs> Washington. <coughs> so you, you never you never know. So maybe their plan all along is that uh, Josh Rosen's their man of the future. And they're dangling that one because they know there's a sucker out there who will overspend for the one. So don't – just because you have a narrative that you've heard parroted a hundred times on sports radio, social media, wherever, that doesn't mean that's the playbook that's going to happen in the time frame you think it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, the, the, t- the time frame is set entirely by Arizona. There's, there's nothing saying that they shouldn't – like I said – there's no reason why they shouldn't hang on to Josh Rosen throughout the season if they think they can keep getting better and better offers. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw that the Patriots do it all the time. They they sure. show some backup quarterback in the preseason what he's able to do. Could be a franchise quarterback. Middle of the season, Jimmy Garoppolo goes to San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why Arizona should jump on anything unless it's outrageous. So the fact that the Giants haven't already – engaged in this trade means that both teams are not stupid. That's really all it means. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, getting back to your point earlier, or the point I think I, even I made was, you know, some teams are smarter, some are dumb. To me, the jury's a little out on Gettleman on does he show his cards or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, last year, he showed his unabashed chubby for Saquon Barkley. And we drafted him. Um, you know, I've been trying to read the tea leaves with him this year to see, you know, who he likes and doesn't like. Um, I don't know. So it's, it's, it'd be interesting to see like who ends up drafting and going back and reading some of the, the quotes he had in some of his press conferences before. But you know, I'm not convinced yet that he's the greatest poker player in the world, which may or may not mean anything in terms of who he actually trades and how, what, who he drafts and how well the drafts go. But, you know, some people are just better at having a poker face than others. Well, I don't think you have to play poker when you are playing with the second pick in the draft. I think you can just go by your board. Yeah. But that's I, why I'd be th- curious. This, I'm curious to see this year what happens. That's what I'm saying. This year I think is the real test. I don't think last year made a difference. I, I think they truly had a, a big board that either had Baker first or Saquon first. Either way, it doesn't matter, you know. Right. And, you know. I don't know that there was any poker involved when you were playing with that big of a handicap where you're picking mm-hmm. second. So this year, definitely different. And, and you know, a lot of dominoes could fall different ways 
Uh, and we'll we'll get into this more on Wednesday when we talk uh, on our draft preview episode. Uh, a real quick thoughts on the draft, uh, you know, the night before. But, you know, they're tinkering with about four solid defensive players that are considered absolute studs and one solid absolute stud quarterback. That's five picks. That's all before the Giants. If one team trades up for another quarterback or something else, that whole set of dominoes, somebody falls to the Giants at six. So, you know, there's a lot more poker, I think, involved there. Um, and and quite frankly, just being patient and seeing what falls to you. Yeah, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see some movement above us too. I mean, I, I know we know there are teams out there like mm-hmm. Washington, like Miami, that are desperate for a quarterback. We've read the reports how the Jets are interested in trading down. Yep. Which you know that works in their favor. If somebody's dra- you know trying to trade up, they're trying to trade up for a quarterback, and if. We have made the decision in our war room that we don't want any of these quarterbacks. That's one less defensive tackle or one less defensive stud that will be available for us. So, again, yes, and we're going to reiterate this probably in our draft special right after the draft and until the cows come home. We realize we need a quarterback after Eli Manning, but the well to – get this quarterback from is a lot deeper than just this draft in 2019. Correct. Uh, but speaking of just this draft, uh, we're one position left to review. Uh, we've we've covered the whole field other than punters, kickers, and long snappers. I think we're pretty good in that area. Um, and that's running backs. It's another position where we're pretty good, but let's kind of take a look at what uh, what this team is and has. Um, and it's kind of interesting, you know, two years, three years ago, we thought that we drafted, um, a good running back that would start as a change of pace and perhaps be the next Ahmad Bradshaw and Paul Perkins completely vanishes from the roster, um, to the point where I think a lot of us forgot that he's on the roster. Yeah, actually, uh, we were doing our pre-show notes a couple weeks ago and you brought the name Paul Perkins and I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> so it's not just the casual fan. It's, you know, us members of the media, which I put in parentheses or quotation marks. But, yeah, I completely forgot about him myself. I forgot he was still, you know, under contract. I forgot he was a member of the team. But uh, he is still with us. Yep. Two years ago, the Giants take in the fourth round Wayne Gallman out of Clemson. He shows some serious promise in his rookie year when he finally gets on the field. I think he scored a touchdown in his first game. Um, you know, he shows that he's got some, you know, one cut ability. He's got some decent speed, can catch, can block. And then the following year, the Giants take Saquon Barkley. He pretty much rides the pine for the majority of the season. So, you know, it begs the question, are the Giants comfortable with Wayne Gallman or Paul Perkins for that matter? Neither one of them belong to this regime. Um, and do they possess the required skills to back up or complement Barkley? You know, that's kind of where this team is at. Well, I guess I think there's a number of factors for it. I mean, they're still on rookie contracts. Is that correct? All three of them. On rookie contracts and, you know, Perkins was a fifth-round pick. So you're talking pretty reasonable rookie contracts as well. 
So I think that Well, might- for those two, yes, for Gallman and Perkins, Barkley, I believe, is just outside the top five at his position because he was drafted so high. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's staying. I, I'm not even yeah, – yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need to have any more discussion about Barkley in this whole – the rest of this podcast. I'm talking about these other guys where, you know, is the question to move on or not? And it might be something where for one year they may just want to, you know, hang on to the, the cost savings for those two and then – Next year, when we have you know a lot more cast space available, or maybe not as the plethora of needs that we do this year, to try to really, really upgrade the backup running back position. But I think this might be one of those things where, you know, they have guys that they could use. They could, you know, they're not going to have major roles on this team. Um, in my able maybe just ride the savings more than anything. Well, I guess let's kind of talk about what what do they need? I mean. What does the the running back behind Saquon Barkley need to do? Or do you need to have a collection of guys that make up replacing Saquon Barkley? Oh, well, I mean, I guess, what does that mean by replacing? Are we talking about someone who wants to give Barkley, uh, you know, a series break where he can get, get an extra blow? Or are we talking about the event that Barkley is out for an extended period for injury? Right. I think that's what it is. I think... I think my my question is, do you need one guy off the bench who is a change of pace and then some other guys behind him that, when combined, equal Barkley in the event that he's out for some period of time? Or do you just need a change of pace guy? Or do you need somebody who has all the same skills as him, but obviously just not as good? Not as skilled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I think you build this roster for right now as a guy who's more of the change of pace guy. Okay. I, I don't think you can – I don't think you – it's hard to anticipate the unthinkable if Barkley is out for several weeks or he's out for the year for something. I think that's just something – it's kind of almost – his importance and value to this team is almost as much as of a quarterback. And we've said that many times on this show that you know if Eli goes down, season's over. It doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is. It's just basically playing the position until the season is over. Mm. Barkley's value for what he does running the ball, catching out of the backfield, you know – and even more so with a better offensive line this year, you know, if he goes down for a real long stretch of time, this season's over. It might be even worse than if Eli goes down this year. So I, 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 I think knowing that, I think you, you want to structure the rest of your backfield for somebody that can, you know, compliment him but get, if, if he needs that occasional blow or something, or you know, something maybe an obvious passing downs who's a maybe a better you know, pass blocker than Saquon is at this point in his career. Something like that more, I think. Yeah, so, you know, I, I've kind of tinkered with this thought for a while now, and it's, it's you know, whether you need a guy who does all the same things Barkley does or if you need somebody who compliments him, maybe does something a little bit better than him. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think that for right now you want somebody who might be a bruiser with some speed and shiftiness. But, but you know, somebody who really invites contact and I guess Ahmad Bradshaw is kind of like in his later years of just kind of like making making something out of junk and, uh, you know, running people over a little bit. I think I would like somebody, you know, to be you know perfectly honest, who if it's, you know, you know, first and goal from the one, somebody can pile drive in. Yeah. You know, if it's third and one, you know, Barkley, as much as we love him and all the excitement he does, you know, 
he's not yet that running back who can get the one yard by moving the pile and doing that. I mean, his, you know, his greatest strengths are, you know, breaking to the outside and outrunning guys and, you know, making moves and stuff. But I don't think he's there to be like that guy. I need to pick up a yard. And maybe that's something that, you know, we really need is, you know, that, 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 that Brandon Jacobs, Mm -hmm. you know, that guy who's going to get the one yard for you. Yeah, certainly. And, and I think to a certain extent, that's what they were hoping to get out of Jonathan Stewart last year. Right. I was just going to say that, you know, before, you know, you know, injuries and just his general ineffectiveness, you know, the fumbles kind of took the air out of anybody's enthusiasm for him. I think that's what he was brought in to be. Yeah. I, and, you know, people people were so quick to say, oh, waste of money, waste of money. Why'd you do this? I mean, there was a plan for him and that plan went awry really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think there might be some uh, some free agents that might offer something, you know, for relatively cheap. I mean, when we're talking about getting the one yard when you need it, you know, Bilal Powell comes to mind. I mean, you know, former Jet, he's old as far as running backs go. I think he's like 31. But, I mean, he's kind of cut his teeth on pushing the pile. Uh, you know, Even though he's 31 and has a lot of miles on his tires, it doesn't mean we need him to run 25 times a well, game. Well, exactly, yeah. If, and if you get a guy like that. He, he can be had for cheap yeah. because, you know, you don't need him to shoulder the load. He doesn't need to carry any more than five times a game. Right. I yeah. mean, uh, and it, yeah, exactly. That we're not bringing him in to be the bell cow if you know the unthinkable does happen. No, at that point, yeah, I think I think you're stepping up Wayne Gallman there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think or we, Jeremy Hill is another option. You know, a guy who when he came into the league, you know, I, I didn't really think he was going to do so well, but lo and behold, you know, he, he was something for Cincinnati and then he just kind of tapered off. And I think, again, this is a guy who was, people were banking on being the bell cow, but, you know, might function a little bit better just as the guy who comes in, you know, he gets maybe 10 snaps, five of which are pass blocking and five of which he gets the ball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, I, again, you can't plan on that situation. I mean, that's oh, not no. how they're going to build the roster and everything but in the event that's what they could do i would i would think that if they're going to you know bring in a free agent it would be somebody for really cheap like that it's not going to be the jay ajayis who no can't believe it's still on the market to be honest they're just not going to spend the money for a guy that's not going to that much usage yeah i mean even if they had all the cap money in the world it's just it's not a it's not a position they want to allocate a lot of money for just for the fact, like we just said, he's going to have a handful of carries in a, in a very defined role because we have the guys. I think a Gallman could be a guy who we can bring in for a series and run on first down and second down and you know, or, or, or Paul Perkins to be a little change in direction type of guy. So if we're bringing in a free agent, I think it's to that very defined you know, micro skill set that we we're, we're looking for. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, and, uh, I almost didn't do that much work on this draft prep because of that fact. But then I thought to myself, again, Paul Perkins is, you know, he's only got like half a butt cheek on the bench right now. The other three quarters, <laughs> you know, is, you know, on somebody else's roster or yeah, collecting wait a minute for the, unemployment. I'm going to do a little simple math here. That means one and a quarter 
two and a quarter butt cheeks if he has half on one and three quarters of one on the other? Oh, no, no, no. Like half of one butt cheek. <laughs> so that means, you know, he's got three quarters of uh, butt left. So half of one butt cheek would be one quarter of a butt, right? Thank you, Harvard grump. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, didn't, I didn't go to school for math. I did go to school for butts. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Paul Perkins, like we started out saying a lot of people don't even know he's still on the roster. So he's he's halfway off the team or three quarters if you if you follow butt logic. But Wayne Gallman is another one. He's not part of this regime. He did get playing time last year, but in very, very small doses. Um, so is there a possibility that there is somebody in this draft that they would like to have as the backup or the complement for Barkley, the guy to develop? Um, I would think not very high. And I'd say also this is a conversation we're only even considering because exactly. we have so many draft picks. The next thing I was going to say, with 12 picks, they want Right, right. So um, you know, we have our standard eight, or if we only had seven, I don't think this is even a discussion. I think with the 12, at least it presents the, the possibility they can go in this direction if they well, want sure. to. Sure, yeah. I mean, if he, especially since at the running back position, you can get good value late. I mean, you're not going to find your left tackle most likely anywhere outside of the second round. You're not going to find your quarterback most likely anywhere out of the second round. Anything beyond that is extremely rare. Now, could you find the your guard who's going to hit the big payday in the fourth, fifth round? Absolutely. It happens all the time. Uh, running back, I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw was how important to this franchise for how long was a seventh round pick at a Marshall. Um, yeah. You know, we see things all the time. With Alfred I mean, Morris, those, those late, you know. Yeah, those later round. Oh, what about uh, like guys like oh, Terrell yeah. Davis? He was like a seventh. He was like a seventh or eighth round Legend. pick, and you know he's yeah. a, in the Hall of Fame now. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just certain positions where you can find good value super late. So that's why that's why I I, I thought better of it, and I was like, I better do my due diligence. Uh, you know, that being said, the. There's a lot of guys with similar skill sets that I found at the top half of the draft. I mean, I, I think, in my opinion, the clear-cut best running back in this draft is Josh Jacobs from Alabama. And I, I know you've seen plenty of him. Um, but he looks mm-hmm. – I mean, he's young too, isn't he? He came out early, right? Yeah, he came out early. And it's something because he's a guy that didn't stand out immediately as like one of the reasons why the Alabama offense was yeah. so explosive this year. I mean – this is the first year in years where it almost seemed like a pass-first mm-hmm. offense. You know, they they have they've had really good running backs. Obviously, you know, guys that may or may not have uh, you know translated to the NFL. But we're talking guys in college. You know, going back from Ingram, Trent Richardson. Uh, you know, all of these guys that were complete badasses in college. Um, he's a guy that you know didn't you know. Alabama has so much talent everywhere. They have five-star recruits up and down the offensive line in the backfields, you know, position guys and stuff that he kind of blends in a little bit. And that's kind of how I felt about with him. But when you watch him individually and you watch his tape, you're like, this is another badass. I don't think he's of the same mold of the Trent Richards. I mean, this, this dude is a straight up receiver out of the backfield. 
Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, Trent Richardson was just – you looked at that guy and like that's a mm-hmm. prototypical what you dream of when you're a running back coming out. This guy is a little more – he's almost a little like how Percy Harvin was when he was in college where you know, he was a wide receiver, but he lined up in the backfield a lot. And every time he took a, a toss pitch, it was nine yards yeah. before he mm-hmm. even knew what happened. And I think one of the benefits of coming out of Alabama is – you're going to get an intelligent player just about every time because of the coaching there. I mean, you're not going to get a guy yeah. who misses blocks consistently. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And that offsets for the how young he is coming out. It's like you're not getting as mm-hmm. raw of a talent that you might at other programs. You're getting a guy that maybe is a year behind due to his class, but might be a year ahead due to his the knowledge and you know and the uh, the coaching that he yeah. received. And, uh, you know, I watched a little bit of Miles Sanders and uh, looks a lot like Barkley Light, you know, way more than what we would need at this time. I'm sure he's not really itching to be Barkley's backup again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, as I went up and down this list, I, I found a few guys, maybe David Montgomery from Iowa State, uh, you know, mainly because you know he's not real fast, but he does hit the hole hard. And he has some of the best balance I've ever seen out of a running back. There were three or four different plays where I could swear he was on the ground and just somehow got out of it and was five, six yards downfield. Um, You know, again, but you're looking at a very, very average speed guy. And this is going to sound very homer, but there there were a couple guys that that I saw. They wound up being in the SEC. And uh, we know both of them pretty well. Uh, the first is Jordan Scarlett. You know, in my opinion, very average all-around back, but kind of exactly what we're looking for, right? Uh, well, there's two things that scared me a little about Jordan Scarlett. One, the off-the-field mm-hmm. issues that he had. Uh, for those of you who don't know anything about him, he was suspended for the entire 2017 season from being involved in a credit card mm-hmm. fraud scam that uh, suspended, I think it was eight Gators for the whole season. Um, so that's a little bit of a scare to me. The second thing is I'm not sure he's the greatest pass blocker. He's improved because when he first came out, he was when he first came onto the team, he was pretty awful at it. He improved a little bit, but I would still not say he's great at it. So, you know, it's something – some of the traits we're looking for that we mentioned earlier, pass blocking would be one of them. And I think he lacks a little bit on that. doesn't have the super top-end speed, although it, I believe he did have a good combine mm-hmm. uh, 40. Um, but, you know, he's – he was a solid SEC running back, but nothing from watching him for, you know, three years told me that he – would be a real NFL talent. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a three-down back in the NFL. And because of that, I think that he will be bouncing around for a, a little while. And, I mean, probably until he's like 27, 28, he's going to have to really, really, really do well mm-hmm. to go beyond that. Um, but, you know, I think – while his blocking ability is just okay, I think coming out of Florida, his blocking is advanced in the way of it's expected of him, and he kind of knows where to go. You know, uh, 
I I there's there's two steps to blocking and what I look for, and it's if guys completely miss, they don't know that they're even supposed to be blocking, or if they go to the wrong side, and right. then there's the actual technique involved, and if they're able to stop somebody coming in, or at least stall them, you know they don't embarrass themselves. Now I don't think Scarlet is in the wrong place. I just don't think that. You know, when he first started, like you said, I think the effort wasn't totally there. And a lot of these guys that come out of high school, they don't, they're not really interested in blocking. They're interested in running. Um, but, you know, you, you beat me to it with his combine speed. His combine in general was much better than most of us expected. Um, it seems to be that he has continued to take forward steps. I mean, suspended uh, two years ago. He had a good year last year as far as he's concerned, splitting the backfield as well. So he wasn't going to put up big numbers no matter what. Um, and then follows it up right. with a good combine. He's got to keep working. But I I think if you're looking specifically at what it is we're looking at and what is needed, I think that he checks a lot of boxes. I think he's good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that he can hit the hole hard, but he is shifty in the open space. Um, I think he has good vision and, uh, you know, I, I think all those things make him a good change of pace. So do you see him as like a day three? Absolutely. Yeah. Drafty or, or I would say fifth, fifth okay. rounder. That's or what I was later. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking as well. Actually, that was, yeah, the you know, and I, I, I had thought that if I watched LJ Scott from Michigan state, I was going to see everything that I needed to see. And instead I just saw a really average, north-south runner that probably had a lot sapped out of him due to injuries. Um, I I really thought that what I had seen of LJ Scott in the limited viewing, if I watched his tape and really dissected it, I was going to find a guy who was going to lower his shoulder and kind of went off the radar because of injuries. Instead, I just saw an injury scare guy who was not really all that good. Um, But the, the guy I think is the ideal dream scenario he falls to us in some super late round is Benny Snell Jr. from Kentucky. Now, he, he had a... yeah a car- <laughs> Sorry, I shudder yeah, when I... A yeah, career I when I game against Florida last year. But... Well, he had a solid... He had a solid... Yeah, I believe he, he took a record, he, uh, right, for, uh, for the school. Uh, yeah, a uh, career record and a season record for Kentucky. Um, the Florida year was kind of like the Florida game was his breakout game because that was on a big national stage. And, you know, obviously with the, them ending the long losing streak to Florida, but he he was solid all year and he was a very, very confident guy. Like he talked before the Florida game how he was going to run all mm-hmm. over him and he did. Uh, you know, I he was a bell cow for them. He had a lot of carries on that team. Um, so I'm curious, you know, how much how much tread on the tires was used while he was at Kentucky. But uh, he definitely looked like a you know an NFL running back the way he yeah, played. Yeah, he's, he's very north and south one cut slasher. You know, he he. My favorite thing about him is that he invites contact. I like running backs that do that um, because I don't like seeing guys in in college that are just faster than everybody else in the field because it's not going to happen at the NFL level. And this running away from contact thing is something they're going to have to get get over pretty quick. He doesn't even bother. Even though he does have great speed, he'll run right into people, run them over. And he has good balance when he does it too. He doesn't just go to the ground. 
He'll just knock their ass over. Um, and it, he's kind of like a bowling ball the way he yeah, runs. He's, yeah, he's got a low center of gravity, um, you know, which makes him good at blocking. Uh, although I don't think he was really asked to do much of it. It was hard for me to really find a ton of film of it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my my biggest concern is kind of something you mentioned. Uh, he does seem to talk a lot of shit literally on the field. Like you can just see it, at, you know, in game film, um, which worries me a little bit. Uh, well, I think for, you know, if the Giants are looking for a running back for the role we've discussed, mm-hmm. a guy with that personality may not be the right fit because he's going to think that he should be starting over Saquon Barkley and he's never going to be doing that. Yeah. So um, I think he's someone where, you know, a team that needs a running back and needs a one, let him go out there and do what he has to do and let him, you know, use that mouth. And also this is not saying that he's a bad guy by any stretch, but I think they are trying to change the culture in this locker room with the giants. Yeah. And I think maybe we're trying to get away a little bit from mouthy people or just out there people. So that may not be a good fit for what we are trying to do at this very moment. Yeah. So when when I noticed that when I was watching his film, you know, it just it seemed to be after after every good play he had, I was I was starting to get worried. So I actually did some digging on it and and found that while he does do that, all reports are that he's super high character and he's a really 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 hard worker, like the kind of guy who thinks that he outworks everybody else in the field. Um, and he was beloved by all his teammates in the locker room in, in Kentucky in general. So the conclusion I came to was exactly that was I feel more confident in his character now, but still think that this organization is not going to take the chance on that kind of personality yeah. more than character. Yeah. I think that's a difference. I mean, I don't want, and it's the same thing with Beckham too, that I don't think his character was ever put into question. I just think the personality might've just worn itself out a little bit and I think but also Beckham was the star of the team the best player on the team again we're looking to draft a running back who's going to be a at best compliment at worst guy gives someone a blow type Mm -hmm. and that may not set so well with a guy like him it it may not but you know we don't really know We're, we're thinking very this year next year you know we don't know when you're drafting if they envision more of a one-two punch between these guys later, you know, or something. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to imagine, but it's also hard to imagine Barkley getting 50 touches a game for the next three years. Yeah, but that's something you can address later on. I think right now we have so many needs on this team that, you know, the thought of a one-two punch is maybe something we think about in 2020 or 2021 when we have addressed more of the concerns that we do have. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, you you, dra- you draft him this year to replace, you know, say Paul Perkins. Now you have three three man backfield. 2020 comes along. Now he replaces Wayne Gallman. Now you have your one-two punch. You know, th- that's yeah. that's what I'm thinking. I, I'm not thinking this year when I'm saying when we're if if even. They're drafting a running back. You know, I think they're thinking in advance when they do this. Somebody that they can pair with him or or something. Um, the only other guy I found that I, I really truly liked as a, you know, a change of pace was uh, Daryl Henderson from Memphis. Um, not a bulldozer by any means, but... For 205 pounds, the man's only 5'8". So it tells you all you need to know about his uh, center of gravity. Um, but 
I think he might be the fastest guy I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) He's shifty, but, you know, he's not a jump cut guy. He's going to get north and south as soon as he sees a crease. And because he's so fast, that crease only has to exist for a small amount of time. And because he's so small, it doesn't have to be very big. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who's a home run hitter, uh, but also a bulldozer. I mean, he, he, he's another guy who likes to invite contact. He'll run, like I said, he gets north and south quickly. It doesn't have to be an open shot. It just has to be big enough and he'll just ram into shit. So if it comes to getting one or two yards, yeah, you're not going to line him up on third and one. But I think that if it's second and one and you give it to him kind of hoping for the best, he'll just ram right in there for two or three. He'll just, he'll just go as fast as he can into a hole. Um, and I think that he has advanced receiving ability, which is something that I think Pat Shermer is really going to – and Dave Gettleman, for that matter, is somebody who drafted Christian McCaffrey – that they really covet. I, I think they think that a running back today needs to be more than just the guy who gets the ball and runs forward. So somebody to keep in mind, and you know, somebody he also came out of Memphis. I don't think he's very high on people's draft boards. I think this is still another guy. Fourth round would be super early for him, in my opinion. Let me ask you something, Grub. That we've gone through this little analysis. When we talk next Monday, have the Giants drafted a running back? I think that if they don't use picks for trades and they have all 12 used, or let's say let's say if they use 10 of the 12, I say there is a 50% chance that they drafted a running back. I think that if they... Uh, had more than 10, it goes up to about 65%. And again, it's okay. because most of these picks are in the later rounds uh, where you can get decent value here. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think uh, I think they'll take a flyer on one running back later, you know, sixth, seventh round. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think they're going to have all 12 picks um, that they're going to use. I think they're going to be, they may be some packaging bundling up and down next year, you know, this way, that way, the other, I think. So, um, I, I agree with you. I think they'd be foolish to use all 12, honestly. Yeah. I I think there's much more likelihood they use less than 12 picks than they do drafting a running back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, but that being said, um, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that they package yeah, them up to get a running back. I mean, I could see them packaging them oh, up no to get, um, you know, somebody for defense at any level, honestly. Mm-hmm. But but again, this is going to be a team that I think, I think they're spending most of their time compiling their big board, and they're going to be patient and see which teams are being stupid, where the run on certain positions is going, and somebody with high value starts to fall. And that's when you use these picks to move up and grab them before somebody else realizes it. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, we might see it at the edge rusher position. We might see it at, you know, the offensive line position. And it could be any one of the spots, center guard tackle. Um, you know, there's no reason to think that they're invested in Kevin Zeitler for a very long time that they can't draft a, an eventual replacement. 
Um, you know, center we've talked about as a whole, both right tackle I, I and think- left tackle. I mean, th- there's a number of positions where they have the flexibility to take a talent that starts to fall. Well, it's not even talking about the replacement for anybody. I just think they need to, to build depth on this offensive oh, that, line yeah, too. Of course, I mean, yeah. yes, we, we you know we've we've upgraded at right guard. It seems like we've upgraded the left side of the line, but one injury, two injuries, we're oh, right back screwed. to the same problem we were in week one last mm-hmm. year. So it's not even a question of drafting for replacements. This is drafting to have a a seven eight man rotation that they feel comfortable with. So they got to build that depth up first before they start thinking about. Drafting to replace people. Yeah. Of of the three spots that they now have solidified, and I'm going to put center is not one of those. I still think that, you know, there's a battle to see who to be the starter is. But if they were able to somehow acquire somebody who could replace both of them, I think they would oh, sure. if they yeah. could. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And um, yeah, I, I think they would be. But I mean, again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, uh. Running back is a position that most people don't realize until the preseason comes around and, you know, some guy on the third string starts lighting up statistically or puts on a highlight show. There's new faces every year. I mean, they get them in the undrafted free agent market, which is a frenzy, by the way. That's not just like picking fruit off a tree. I mean, they that's like the busiest time for those people. They're they're offering money. They're trying to outbid other teams. You know, and then the second biggest one is right after cutdown day, which you know, remember, there's only one cutdown day in the NFL now. We don't have that tiered approach we did, you know, starting last year. There's one. Yeah. So that's another mad scramble day as well. So, you know, when I say you know, take a look at the running backs, people, you know, might roll their eyes. You know, we've got Barkley. Why bother? It's going to happen. There's going to be a new face at running back at some point this year. And I guarantee you Giants Twitter is going to say, why doesn't he get a chance? Why is Paul Perkins still in the roster, etc.? You know, I mean, it happened yeah. with Robert Martin last year. And I'm not saying that I disagree. I'm just saying it's worth doing the due diligence. There will be a new face. And one of these guys, Jordan Scarlett, you know, might go undrafted. And if he does, that's insane value. <laughs> I'm going to be pissed if he does because he should have stayed at Florida for another <laughs> year. But that's a whole other podcast that I do. Um, I, I honestly think that if we didn't have the cap issues we we're going to have in 2019, I think there'd be a more likely chance that we do draft a, a running back or something. I think I really think this is where they see, based on what we have right now, an opportunity to save a little money and then worry about it in 2020. That's my gut feeling on that. Well, again, again that, that's part of the, using all 12 draft picks, you know. That's that's twelve contracts right, right, right. Out. That's why I don't think they're going to do it, and I think it's also why I think one of them might go towards Josh Rosen. Just right, saying. Right. Yeah, I got you. Well, I mean, that's we we've we've done everything. I'm we're speechless. We're speechless. <laughs> we we've went through every position. We've went through this whole roster, and that means that we are just one episode of a uh, full prediction and breakdown. Of what's what's left, you know, we we can go through and talk about where we think the biggest holes are, where the best value is, what they should do. I mean, we've got three picks very early on, uh, you know, thirty-seven, seventeen, and six. Those are that's that's prime stuff right there. And uh, sure, what we're not going to do is we're not going to give you yet another boring mock draft because we are 
you know, not boring. We are not Nostradamus. We we don't know <laughs> in the league. You know, things change from day to day, hour to hour, this time of the year. And I think what what Graham said is definitely accurate. Is like we're gonna, from both of our perspectives, what do we think are the biggest needs on this team that could be addressed on the long term by this draft? Again, we've said this a hundred times. Free agency fixes holes. You draft for the long-term benefit of the team. And, you know, some people I've talked to, you know, either interacted with on Twitter or just had conversations with, they're like, well, we better get four starters on defense out of this draft. Calibrate your expectations for what the draft (laughs) actually is, guys, please. (laughs) I mean, to to expect you're going to get started right out of the gate. You know, more than one or two is, is is foolish, and it's you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, you don't draft the expectation as, oh, we're just going to get four, you know, two new linebackers, you know, a center, a right tackle, and away we go. We should be in the playoffs. This isn't the NBA. This is the NFL where it takes time to develop players, and you get guys to fit your system. You develop them into your system, you know. Yes, there are certain guys that are can't miss guys and are going to come in. They're going to change the league and change the team immediately. But to count on, you know, four defensive starters, so you're saying, you know, more than a third of your team is going to come in and all of a sudden start and be effective and dominant. It's not realistic. So everybody hold your horses for what to expect from this draft. And don't assume that every draft pick that we have is going to be a hit. Draft picks bust all the time. This is a draft. It's a you're going on potential. So again, just because we draft somebody in the fourth round, don't assume that's your starting strong side linebacker, for example. It's not the case. That was that was quite the cranky rant. I am. I just you know I I, I don't know if it's just giant Twitter is just not very smart or just you know impatient. They're impatient had, this time of year. Yeah. And I, and I get it that this team has been a dumpster fire for the last decade. And, you know, we're tired of having irrelevant football when it gets to October 1st. Um, but to expect the world to change because of one draft is, is foolish. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, Wednesday night we're going to record one last episode, a real quick prediction episode of the draft and that will be available thursday morning for you to listen to as you eagerly await whatever it is eight o'clock nine o'clock for the red carpet whatever <laughs> ceremony um and, what are you uh, wearing by the way <laughs> oh yeah I'll, I'll have my best bow tie um and and thursday night we will go live on twitter for or i will anyway he'll be there so he'll be in and out as he pleases i'm sure oh, yeah. for uh for both of the giants picks assuming they make both picks that's right yeah and uh we'll try to figure out if we can actually do like quick little snippets on uh like a live recording of something and see how that works too let's we'll yeah, play around yeah. with it. play around with our phones and see if we can make that happen i have to remember to keep it charged that's all oh god <laughs> but as always, you can catch this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and Podbean, um, Just Giants, and it also has a Twitter account at Just Giants Pod, and you can find me on Twitter as well at, at football underscore Grump, where I talk all things Grump. I am as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where I was pretty pissed off this weekend with the sweeping of my rays to 
to the Red Sox. So we had a big win tonight, finally get back off the schneid, but still I'm not in the best of moods right now. So as always on Twitter at the cranky fan. Be sure to sign up for uh, notifications and stuff for the podcast on iTunes, etc., so that, you know, they come right to you. You don't have to find it. Um, it'll just be in your little uh, inventory, I guess. I don't know. It's a, great co- it's a great country you live in where podcasts come directly to your phone. You don't have to actually go out and get it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, be sure to get all notifications or whatever. Sign up and uh, – at the very least, follow us on Twitter, uh, where we'll bump every episode so you'll know that way. Exactly. Yep. And go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs>